Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture than pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean, dire because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round Table. Come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. I have got Dennis and Matt here with me, and we are going to talk more about uh, free agents as we've had a ton of signings since Matt and myself last recorded. I do want to say really quick before I ask you guys which, how you're doing on this beautiful Thursday... Rewatching that intro there, it makes me kind of sad. Matt Stafford, Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones all gone from the Lions now. Philip Lindsay gone from the Broncos. It's weird looking at that and realizing that like the Browns are the one that's retaining all their players. So, anyways, how are you guys doing on this beautiful Thursday? I'm doing outstanding. It's 50 degrees and raining in Ohio, but I am off work. I've been doing my best to keep up on uh, free agent signings. Saw a blurb on Twitter, Ben Volin, uh, the Browns may not escape. He said that uh, they've been in talks with the Patriots on a Stefan Gilmore for OBJ trade. Ugh. I think it was Ben Volin. Yeah, I know. Why do we need Gilmore? We just signed a cornerback. We got Greedy Williams. We, we got Denzel Ward. We don't. Why do the Patriots need Odell Beckham Jr.? Cam Newton can't throw it to him anyways. Anyways, Matt? I was doing Matt better Jones before can. you uh, brought up Philip Lindsay. Try. I hurt too. I hurt too, but Try. we're here. We're in a safe place. We can talk about it. You know, work through our pain together. Yeah. Well, if well, it gives wor- you any comfort, 
I, and I wish I could remember who tweeted this, but they said nobody has ever bet against Philip Lindsay in one. So God's one of the Broncos uh, beat reporters, but um, the immediately they said it was looking like he might go to Kansas city, which I have mixed feelings about because that would be disappointing except for, I would like him to run the fuck over Denver in the super bowl and get to the super bowl and for him to flip George Patton, the bird. So Matt's not. You don't sound like a Denver fan. Yeah, I I mean, I'm wearing my shirt with all the stuff. It's like, it's like, let let me go put my Browns hat on really quick and be like, I hope Ben Roethlisberger shows up and torches the Browns, knocks him out of the playoffs, gets Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski fired. Get out of here. There were probably times when you had administrations that you wished ill upon. Yeah, the last like three decades of my life up until last year, yeah. if I'm being honest. So yes, I I do understand that pain absolutely. No, there was um oh now I wish I could remember who posted it. Speaking of tweets that I saw this morning, it was uh I want to say it was a was it a Patriots beat writer? May it may have been a Patriots. Well, I'll save it for when we get because the Patriots obviously had a ton of signings, but they had something that actually kind of had me laughing in my car when I was I was looking at it. So I mentioned we're going to talk more about the free agent signings. Obviously, a lot of these have happened, you know, Tuesday and some yesterday as well. It was uh, all of this seemed to happen. They they wanted my apparently me and Matt our our information is just so crucial to the fantasy space that they wanted to wait till after we got off air Monday to to drop all of this information because they knew. They knew they needed Dennis here to balance us out and, and give us the real great fantasy advice. So we got Dennis with us. And we're going to go through all the free agent signings because everything, literally everything happened after me and Matt got off air. And we're going to start with the Patriots who signed four players. And I do remember what the tweet is now is when they signed. I'm going to start with this player, Nelson Aguilar, for two years, $22 million. They had signed Cam Newton as well, and they said, that's great. Uh, Patriots offense is going to be really good this year when they have a quarterback who can't throw and a wide receiver who can't catch. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of funny. But Nelson Aguilar did bounce back last year with the Raiders and had a very good year. They added Jonu Smith on a four-year deal of $50 million. Hunter Henry, three-year, $37.5 million. And Kendrick Bourne, three-year, $15 million deal. Dennis, what is your takeaway from the uh, – little flurry of moves that they had here late Monday night, early Tuesday morning. Well, I was actually pretty stoked when they signed Janu. And then they signed Henry, and I was then confused. Yeah, that lasted about 12 hours, right? At face value, you know, they they do kind of resemble the old Gronk and Hernandez combo. You've got your smaller, quicker move tight end. It's real athletic. You've got the bigger seam stretcher, good blocking in line tight end, and, and Henry. But then the, it all comes down to, to Cam, and can Cam throw the ball? If Cam continues to struggle to throw the ball, I think it'll be moot. You know, but then they let Joe Thune walk and traded Marcus Cannon away. And it's not like the offensive line was the strength of their offense last year either. I would have thought, given uh, their surplus of cash, that they would have tried to keep their own really good linemen and been in on uh, the other good free agent linemen. It's I, some of it may just be confusing to us because it's so not how the Patriots have behaved for twenty years. So I, I like Smith and I like uh, Henry. Uh, I don't know where I'm. I, I'm not going to be 
probably super high on either one of them this year because there's I, I feel like there's going to be a limited number of targets. And I, I just don't know how they're going to distribute them based on, uh, you know, is, is Aguilar their number one now? That just feels Ed, Edelman, wrong. Julian Edelman. I mean, I think isn't Edelman the second oldest guy in the league behind Larry Fitzgerald? Maybe, but I'd still say he's. I'd still put him as their number one receiver if you're talking right. about him, Aguilar and Bourne, and Jacoby Meyer. Then there's still the corpse of Nikhil Harry's uh, draft hype that's somewhere in the building. But, you know, I when I looked at all those signings, I think it's better probably you have to separate NFL and fantasy from an NFL standpoint. You know, that they did a, they did a great job. Obviously, the two tight ends with Henry and Smith, you're hoping to see a – um, Hernandez and Gronkowski kind of level of success. And I guess it's possible. I think for fantasy players, the hope was Hunter Henry was a low end tight end one last year. He was tight end 12 and that John New Smith has tight end one potential. If they land in the right spot with them both going to the same spot and plenty of questions about Cam Newton and or a rookie quarterback in there, they're both probably mid range tight end twos. For the time being, and that's that's where some of the frustration and the bummer comes from. Receivers want yeah, to see how it shakes out. From... It's got to be better than they were the 30th ranked pass offense in 2020. It's got to be better than that. I don't know. You'd think. I mean, they were uh, Henry and Smith now fall firmly into the back end of that second tier of like 18 tight ends. Yeah, it's really, really disappointing because obviously the John New News had me excited and the fact that I've been calling for like his breakout for the past couple of years. And then I really felt like that was actually going to happen. And then sorry if you guys can hear my son coughing in the background there. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a uh, very upsetting. So Nelson Aguilar, uh, does that do anything for you guys? I mean, obviously he had a really good year last year with uh, with Las Vegas. Looked like he had kind of rebounded from what we saw. He actually had a good year in Philadelphia, which I feel like everybody kind of forgets about. They just remember that apparently, you know, the, the famous tweet about, you know, they don't think you could catch a baby out of burning building or something like that. But uh, <clears throat> he, was, he was hated on quite a lot after he left Philly, uh, but did have that one good year. I think it was 2018 has a really good year with Las Vegas. Now he's coming over here. Obviously, again, Dennis just mentioned it a little bit. Everybody's worried about the Cam Newton signing. I, I will say, I have kind of feel like I've been one defending Cam Newton a little bit here the past couple of days. I get that he didn't look great most of last season. I, if I'm remembering correctly, I believe he had at least a really good week one. May have looked good even in week two. We have to remember, he signed two weeks before the season started last year with no real practice time. He ended up getting COVID, and he even talked about it. So did the Patriots. And that took a bigger toll on him and his body than anybody expected. Yet he came back out there the week after. I mean, there was talks that he wasn't going to play. I remember, Matt, we were talking about it all week. There was talks that he wasn't going to play. And then literally hours before the game, Tom's like, oh, Cam Newton's good. He's going to play in the game. Like, I think we have to give him some slack. Now, I don't expect him to be that MVP Cam that we saw years ago, but I do think he might be better than he was last year. 
That being said, I just I don't Nelson Aguilar still doesn't do much for me because I'm just not sold on this wide receiver core. I do think adding John New and Hunter Henry is a massive step up. I think it's fair to say those two are by far the best pass catchers they have on that offense and they had last year even. I'm, granted, I'm not the big big Nikhil Harry fan, but does Nelson Aguilar do anything for for you there, Matt? I mean, I'd say maybe wide receiver four potentially. He had, he did decent at times for the Raiders. Some of it's going to depend on what their offensive makeup. And I would also, the big concern, you have him, they're going to try to work in Bourne. They still have Jacoby Myers. They have Edelman coming back. I, I'm with you. I discount Nikhil Harry. He couldn't manage to work his way on the field when they had no one last year. I think that's a bad sign. But now you have these two tight ends. And when you get in the red zone, does that mean they're going to try to target some of these guys? That's not a place where you'd figure Edelman or Aguilar benefits, but the tight ends might benefit down there. But that's where Cam had a lot of his effectiveness, and that's when he had those couple of good games to start the season and good games later. It wasn't necessarily throwing the ball. He had 500-plus yards and 12 TDs rushing. Um, you know, I think they got those tight ends in part to give themselves options at the goal line, as we talked about when they, when we talked about Janu, which was the only one that they had signed at the time. The Patriots had a real hard time when they get down by the goal line last year. It was too predictable that they were just going to put every fullback and, and blocking tight end and spare offensive lineman that they had and suicide cam into the line. Well, now you have a couple of bigger targets you can aim at. Um, that'll and. You know that's probably where the the good value comes for the tight ends. Wide receivers is still going to be a big question mark to me. You know, Ian Rappaport reported earlier today that uh, the Raiders have told Marcus Mariota if he doesn't take a pay cut down to three mil a year that they're going to cut him. So that might be something to keep an eye on for New England. Not that Mariota has shown himself to be better playing through injuries his time in uh, Tennessee, but when he did come in and play last year for the Raiders, he he looked pretty good. And and I had uh, I think last Thursday I mentioned Mariota going to uh, the Washington football team. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen now with the signing of of Fitzpatrick should he get released. Um, but that could be sneaky to get him in there and. You know that he has him and Cam have similar skill sets when it comes to running the ball. Uh, it'll it'll be it's something to keep an eye on. As far as Aguilar, I mean, he had a better catch rate in 2017 and 2018 than he did last year with his great breakout. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate out there as to whether or not drops matter. I don't know that they matter in determining the overall success of a player, but man. When they happen in crucial times and crucial games, they matter at that moment. And, you know, those are not the same things. I think Aguilar will be fine. Uh, I just, my concern will be whether he's going to get enough targets to be more than a wide receiver for, like you said, Matt. I think, just want to make sure this is on. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Amari Cooper could care less about your drops with the, with the way that that dude drops the ball. So just saying. Anyways, I just had, I had to get my one Amari Cooper shot. It's been a while. It's been a while. Poor Dallas fans so. haven't Amari haven't Cooper. had anything but good news this offseason. <laughs> oh, you have to come in there and kick good for them, them down below. Good, good for them. No, I'm happy for Dallas fans. Uh, 
I, I do agree with Dennis, and that, that's going to be the interesting thing. I said this uh, on a podcast earlier this week, that the way that, that Cam Newton's contract is situated, it's not really of a starting quarterback. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots have a different starting quarterback by week one. I'm not for sure that it is going to be Cam. They could get a... You know, a, a Mac Jones might fall to 15 or maybe I know we never see it. Maybe New England trades up and grabs one of these top guys that everybody's talking about and they end up starting week one. We, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm not for sure that Cam Newton is going to be the guy come week one with the way his contract structured. I would love to see Marcus Mariota there with the way he played last year. If he can kind of bounce back on that and, you know. I don't think that that'd be a bad fit at all either. But Dennis mentioned Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're going to start talking about the rest of the QBs now. Ryan Fitzpatrick signs a one-year deal with the Washington football team for $10 million. I absolutely love this deal. You know, we talked about, uh, I think they were really just a quarterback away from being a legitimate, not just playoff, well, division contender, playoff contender. I mean, they they took Tampa Bay to the wire with Tessa Taylor Henneke. Yeah. Taylor Heineke. Heineke. Okay. T- Taylor Heineke. Uh, I got one of those. She's just gone with the whole wrong name. And Tyler, Tyler oh, and Heineke. And got they it still all have uh, Kyle Allen, too. Yeah. So I, I think great news for them. Uh, we will pair. No, we'll just pair them both together. And then they signed Curtis yeah. Samuel for three years, $34.5 million, which I thought was an even better deal. I do worry a little bit on the Curtis Samuel side. And we'll get to Curtis Samuel in a minute. But Dennis, your thoughts on uh, Fitzpatrick? Well, if if he does nothing else, you know, he is definitely the YOLO quarterback to have. Uh, He's going to – he – you know, everybody likes to talk about how Jameis Winston has no fear when it comes to throwing the ball. I think Jameis Winston, you know, he's the understudy to Ryan Fitzpatrick when it comes to not having fear of uh, throwing an interception. I I think Fitzpatrick is going to start all season unless he gets injured. I, I just don't think Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke, you know, they don't they don't have the juice, I think, to be a starter all season. They may get a couple starts because of injury, but they they're just they, I, they're not it. Um Fitzpatrick, I think he's coming to the end of the road, but you know, he's just tough and he's having fun and you can tell in the way he plays and then pairing him up there with Terry McLaurin and, and uh, 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 Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson. So here's my concern with Curtis Samuel. I love Curtis Samuel as a weapon, as a receiver. He should be able to just make plays with volume but he went back to the coaching staff that spent three years not knowing what the hell to do with him. Yeah, that's like, my concern as well. I mean, maybe if they if they decide, well, we can J.D. McKissick him and move him into that J.D. McKissick role, that's great. But then that's going to impact Antonio Gibson. So, you know, he, he needs to be used as a the second wide receiver and a weapon um, and be on the field getting snaps and getting targets. He doesn't need to, you know, be running down the, the field and uh, leading the league in air yards, but being, you know, 112th in receptions. Uh, see, I think he steps into a good situation, though, 
with Washington in that there's Terry McLaurin, who is their great number one receiver. They have a good tight end in Logan Thomas. They've figured out a good backfield rotation. They have no other receivers. I think that's why they went to go get Curtis Samuel. They do need a, a second receiver. I think they saw what he did last year. He had he had moments. And with a Fitzpatrick at quarterback instead of some of the offenses they ran with Cam Newton, I think you're going to see a little something different. I thought it was a, it was a good signing. Um, you know, between that and, and when we talk about A.J. Green, my hopes and dreams for Juju Smith-Schuster are starting to dissolve. But I was happy for Curtis Samuel. He seemed excited. Said that was something that him and Terry talked about when they were college roommates. I thought yeah. that was a really cool moment. I like the Fitzpatrick signing. I think Washington, you know, Dallas did what they needed to do with Dak, but Washington was an ascending team last year. We still don't know what the Giants are, and in my opinion, the Eagles are a flaming dumpster uh, at the moment. Washington has a good chance to make inroads in that division, to be a wild card com- competitor, to, you know, to challenge Dallas, uh, you know, maybe not. They may not have the exact same offensive fire firepower, but they had a, a good defense, and I think they've made moves they needed to make to have a more up-tempo, pass-friendly offense that will help keep them in some of those games that could be potentially high scoring. Yeah, I, I'm I'm all in on Washington. I, I picked them to actually do something last year, and I guess I was just a year too early on that. I, I don't know. I, well, like they right did now, do something. They made the playoffs. Well, that's true. Yeah, they did make the playoffs, <laughs> but not quite like the record I expected them to have. I... I I think right now, if I was asked, I would lean Washington because of that defense. Because, I mean, the one thing with Fitzpatrick, you know, I know everybody likes to talk about his turnovers. He's actually been better in turning over the ball the past two years. Like, I feel like he's, like Tom Brady, gotten better with age somehow. Like, he's actually been a better quarterback. So, what Dennis was saying on Curtis Samuel is what worries me as well. Like, I know that they needed another wide receiver, but I think it's also fair to say so did Carolina when he was there, and they still didn't use him. It was the DJ Moore show, and I I, I just worry a little bit. I mean, I don't really have many shares of Antonio Gibson, so it's not going to hurt my heart any if they end up using Curtis Samuel in that role because I like Curtis Samuel. He's a Buckeye, so, and I have a fair share amounts of uh, – uh, of Curtis Samuel, but uh, that one does worry me a little bit. I like him going there. I do think that can help Terry McLaurin. I really think that could help Logan Thomas, who had a really good year last year, and then obviously gets Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing him the ball as well. But I'm not quite as pumped on the Curtis Samuel signing as others in, on the fantasy side just because, like Dennis, I'm a little bit worried about him going back with Rivera and Scott Turner. Now, some of that might have been the injuries. We know he did suffer injuries a lot when he was there in Carolina, but the fact that he just was never, he had his breakout with Joe Brady this last year with, with Teddy Bridgewater is really what kind of worries me uh, a little bit about that. So next up, uh, obviously the, uh, poor, poor bears fans, you know, for weeks or not weeks, I guess, but at least a week thinking they were likely going to get Russell Wilson with all these trade rumors. And by the way, how you turned down that trade for Russell Wilson, I have no idea because that was a, a haul for him. Uh, but they end up getting Andy Dalton for if one. They year really made that offer though. I mean, I haven't seen Seattle come out and refute it yet, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, well, I, I will say the one thing is, although still three first round picks, that's a lot of equity alone. They didn't say what two starters it was, so it could have been like two special teamers or something. But regardless, that is a lot for Russell Wilson. But they end up. It was with Nick Andy Foles, Dalton. and that was a bridge too far. 
<laughs> might have been. As soon as they threw him in, like, get out. No, get out. Get out. I don't want it. <laughs> Matt, your thoughts on, I guess, the next bridge quarterback <laughs> that they added to their team in the Red Rifle? Uh, my first reaction is RIP Bears fans. I, what was it uh, when uh, somebody asked you on Monday about Kyle Trask and you said he's uh, he's, in your opinion, a career backup and nothing else? That's going to be the first round pick the Bears make, I feel like, just to add to the trifecta. I'm not... I mean, Andy Dalton could be okay in the right situation. I don't think any of us thought Chicago was exactly the right situation for anyone. I'm also not convinced he ends up beating out Foles, so now you have kind of two quarterbacks that leave you cold. My basic take was who, whichever of them ends up starting is probably a QB3 at best, and now you have this weird they're trying to bring in Kenny Galladay, which almost makes no sense with the quarterback situation they have. And if I'm Allen Robinson, I mean, I'm pulling a Nicolas Cage and leaving Las Vegas. I just, I've moved there. I've been like, you kept me. You got me Andy Dalton. Now you're trying to get another wide receiver. I'm, I'm done. Unless they're planning on rescinding the franchise tag or trading him, which also doesn't make sense. But it would be an awesome set of receivers for two quarterbacks that you're like, not sure they can get you the ball. I I want Andy Dalton to do well. He's a try-hard guy. He's he's a good teammate. He isn't going to put you in situations. He's a smart player. So, you know, he's going to make sure you're doing all the right things. Unfortunately, he just doesn't quite have the talent. I, I think at 33 years old now, I think things are kind of drying up for him. Uh, you know, getting up there. I mean, on the other hand, he, he, you know, AJ green was like, what top five wide receiver for how many years with Andy Dalton. And we've seen Allen Robinson play honestly with worst quarterbacks every year of his career so far, including college when he had Christian Hackenberg and uh, Matt McGloin. So, I feel like Dalton can go in there, but if that line can't hold up and they can't have some sort of offensive balance with Montgomery, that's going to present issues for them. Um, I don't hate the move. It's not the answer long term. Um, and it's, you know, the unfortunate thing is there, there can only be 32 starting quarterbacks. And after about 12 or 14, Shit starts getting dicey. Yeah. Yeah, Matt, uh, I, I actually talked about that as well on um, the Campus to Can podcast I did recently. We were talking about the Bears possibly trading up for a quarterback, and I was like, it's probably a really bad move because our luck, Ryan Pace will trade up and grab like Kellen Mond, who nobody thinks is going to be a starting quarterback at all in the NFL. So I'm really excited to see what Ryan Pace does. I, I'm, I'm actually kind of more on Dennis's side here. Like, I don't think it's a bad move. I don't love it. I don't really hate it. I mean, I – I almost think it's fair to say, I, mean, I know Mr. Bisky's had some good years, but Andy Dalton might be like one of the better quarterbacks Allen Robinson's had in his career. So I feel like neither of you guys watched the back half of the Cowboys season because well, you're not invested enough in Amari time, Cooper so no, and CeeDee Lamb. Had you seen that, I think you think about this differently. The, like, 
Andy Dalton was in a situation where it seemed like he'd be teed up for success with Ezekiel Elliott behind him and Gallup and CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. And it looked bad. Well, you know, well, I mean, but he also lost his all pro center and his all pro left tackle. Remind me what you kind know. of offensive line the Bears have again. I I get you. I, that's that's Is probably the biggest concern. It, it's not great. Okay. Well, I think you can say the same thing about the Cowboys offensive line. When they had they had the injuries. Obviously, yeah. overall they have an amazing offensive line, but the injuries, the injuries, man, they happen. You know, I don't know. I'm just I'm not gonna hate it. I mean. Yeah, you know, look, the one thing I will say, whether it's the Red Rifle or Big Dick Nick, Al Robinson's going to get his, and that's probably the only person I'm going to trust in that offense. Unless they sign Kenny year. Galladay, and then it's like... They're not going to sign Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay can't be that stupid, can he? Well, I shouldn't say stupid. I guess if he gets his money, he gets his money, but I feel I like... I will say, though, have you guys noticed, you know, obviously the cap came back quite a bit this year, but they're yeah. talking the, that TV deal just got announced. $105 billion for the NFL over 11 years. They're saying the cap could go up as much as $45 million next year, back to yeah. like 225 We're seeing a lot of one-year kind of yeah. moderate money or two-year with an out moderate money. It seems like a lot of these guys realize that they hit free agency during the worst possible offseason, and they're setting themselves up. Because it seems like Kenny Galladay, everywhere they talk about it, it's one-year Offers yeah. like a one-year deal with the Bengals, a one-year deal with Chicago. So that could well, be interesting, I guess. I, I, I will say this with, with much love. I just now realize Matt never actually listens to me talk when we do these shows. I, that's what I said last week. I, I don't – It would not. I said last week it would not surprise me if a bunch of these top guys signed one-year deals because of that. One-year deal, and then no, you're back I, on the free agent market. Yeah, I I, I know you were talking about it last week. That's what I'm saying. We actually yeah. are seeing it it happen. There's been very few that that have guaranteed money into 2023. Yeah, I mean, it makes and, and perfect sense. for the sense, record, I mean, listening to you talk ahead. and remembering what you said are not the same thing. Well, that's that's true. That's true. I mean, I, I, there are times that I'm just kind of sitting here and I'm thinking like I'm really hungry and I'm like, oh, God, I'm so I'm actually listening to you, but not actually not really taking in what you're saying or remembering what everything says. So next, uh, Jacoby Brissett, one year, five million to Miami. Uh, you know, interesting, I guess, for me. But Dennis, what's your takeaway? Uh, I, you know, I'm going to group three of these guys all together, Brissett, Taylor and Glennon. Yeah. Um, they all kind of they're, they're veteran backups that are at best game managers. I think Brissett's got a fairly similar style to Tua, aside from being right-handed. Taylor has a fairly similar style to uh, Deshaun Hopkins. It's just not as good. Watson, and Glennon, Deshaun Watson, yeah. Deshaun Watson, yeah, Glennon. Uh, is uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up being the QB three in New York, um, but you know he, he again he's that veteran he's tall gangly similar to, he's not near the athlete that Jones is but I don't think any of the three of them are I, I don't yeah you know, we probably could have left him off the list. 
Well, I think they're all backup deals. The only one that I will say, and I'm even going to throw Trubisky in there, who took one year, two and a half, to go behind Josh Allen in Buffalo. Trubisky was a guy I thought if he ended up going to the right spot could potentially, you know, be a Ryan Tannehill type situation. I might have, I think I just did my profile just posted. I was hoping he would go to Denver. I thought that would be a good uh, potential challenge for Locke and somebody that could compete. So that was a kind of a bummer. The only one I could see ending up having fantasy relevance is Tyrod Taylor. If they trade Deshaun Watson, there's no guarantee they get anything back. Do they draft a rookie? Does he end up as that bridge quarterback that we thought he was going to be with the Chargers and that he was in Cleveland? That's the only one based on the situation that could have relevance. And they gave him a little bit of a bigger deal. I was honestly surprised. Twelve and a half million. Yeah, I feel like that that was was their assurance. I feel like that was their insurance if they do trade Deshaun Watson because I don't know. Uh, it was uh, it was their head coach. I was trying to remember if it was their head coach or their general manager was giving an interview. Yeah, David like, a couple, yeah, before a couple days before the Tyrod uh, Tyrod Taylor signing, saying that he was putting out a lot of hypotheticals about whether or not Deshaun Watson would be back. He's like, well, if he's with us next year, you know, we'll have well, plans in place and stuff like that. From that him, standpoint, so. it also makes sense because Cully had him in Baltimore. Um, I will say that I actually liked a Trubisky signing in Buffalo as a backup, you know, allow him to kind of reset. I know some people were saying maybe he'll get to retest the market next year. I don't really see that. Not with the five quarterbacks coming out this year. I think there's at least three good quarterbacks in next year's draft. But he does give, in my opinion, at least a decent backup to Josh Allen if he gets hurt. Uh, they don't have to change that offense completely. I mean, he's not going to be able to throw deep like Allen, but I, he's not a horrible option, at least – He's better than Matt Barkley, who I believe was their backup last year. So that gives him a little bit better option. And, you know, Jacoby's just interesting to me in the fact that I, I just, you know, was Brian Flores there in uh, in New England? when He when was there Jacoby, in New England, so they would have some familiarity. Any shot that Jacoby becomes the new Ryan Fitzpatrick and just starts replacing Tua if Tua doesn't play well? Like, that's the only thing that worries me about him signing with Tua. With, with, with the Dolphins. That's more of a two a question based on the fact that Oh yeah, I'm not saying jump the gun. Like, they put him yeah. in when Fitzpatrick seemed to have them in position to make a playoff run and then when you get down the stretch, they didn't have any problem. I thought they pulled Tua in the like in the Broncos game because he looked like he was hurt. And they came out right afterward. They could have just said, Yeah, he was hurt because he was very obviously limping. All the announcers at the time thought he was hurt. And they're like no, he was just playing really bad, so we yanked him. I'm like, okay, well, that didn't help him at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the only thing that worries me with Brissett. But go ahead, Dennis. Now, I, I like the Trubisky move, both for him and the Bills, because I do think his style of play is pretty similar to Josh Allen. Uh, I agree with you. He doesn't quite have the deep deep throw accuracy, strong arm that Allen does. But if Allen gets injured – I don't think that that offense has to get drastically altered. And, you know, Allen had a big breakout year last year. His his percentage was way up. If he comes back this year and is completing 60% of his passes instead of 74% of his passes passes, and he starts to struggle a little bit, they have to decide are they going to exercise his fifth-year option. I I don't really – I mean, there's there's a pretty high, uh, a significant chance that they do. I would be surprised if they don't. But 
to get to have somebody that fits your offense if Allen struggles and they decide, you know what, we're not going to give this kid $180 million because that's what the going rate is now. Um, we're going to go with this other guy because we feel like our defense and our team can be effective. It would it would shock me if that happened, but you know we've seen stranger things. But I, I think as a backup, it gives him an opportunity to um, to be in a role where he he there, there's no doubt. It isn't like well you might be able to get a chance to start if you practice well or if the starter struggles. No, Allen's got to get hurt for him to get playing time. So running backs, uh, top one here, Carlos Hyde, two years, $4.5 to the Jacksonville Jaguars getting to pair back. Well, I, I love this narrative. I heard a lot of people talking about it. He gets to pair back up with Urban Meyer. He wasn't there when Urban Meyer was at Ohio State, people. Like, he was gone way before Urban Meyer got there. Hey, don't Just let the facts get in the way of a good story. Urban Meyer was there like whatever that was. Wow, what was that? Like three years ago was his last year? Because Day's been a head coach for two years now. Yeah, so three years ago. Like uh, Carlos Hyde's been in the league for... Like almost a decade. That's, yeah, okay. So, yeah. You know, just just throwing some facts out there. I know, I know people don't like it when facts are thrown their way. We're not together at Ohio State at the same time. But they obviously do still have the Ohio State connection. That they said, were Carlos at Ohio State. Were they really? Urban was there from twelve to eighteen, and what Hyde was, was graduated. 12? Hyde, Hyde was a fourteen, two thousand fourteen draft pick. They were really. I don't remember Urban Meyer being there that long. Was he really there yeah. that long? From two thousand, okay. it was only six years. Never mind. Seven years, I guess. Two thousand and twelve, two thousand and eighteen. I apologize. Hey guys, Carlos Hyde and Urban Meyer—they have a—they have a Ohio State connection. If you guys didn't know, so it makes a total. I really did not realize that. I thought. Well, as an really of Ohio not, State, I can tell you, you don't have to have been there at the same time to have an Ohio State connection, because that's what alumni oh, do. Yeah. They look out for each other. <laughs> well, I, I understand that. I'm just saying. Like, I really did. I did not realize that they were there at the same time. All right, you know, and that's what I was going to say. Even if they weren't, they have the connection, obviously, from Ohio State. I just. Didn't, I really did not remember them being there together anyways. Uh, they also brought in wide receiver Marvin Jones on a two-year $12.5 million contract as well. So Hyde makes sense, obviously. You know, a guy that can help back up James Robinson. I actually think that's the best news for for James Robinson to bring in a yes. guy like Carlos Hyde because I don't think Hyde's really going to compete with him, maybe come in and spell him here and there. But I think that means Robinson's still going to be the guy moving forward. More interesting in the Marvin Jones. Obviously, we talked about it when he hit free agency. He said, much like J.J. Watt, he wanted to go to a Super Bowl contender. Not quite sure even them getting Trevor Lawrence is going to make them a Super Bowl contender. But I do think he's an interesting fit in that offense. We've seen him have – I know a lot of people are saying it's a horrible fit. With Matt Stafford, he was a decent wide receiver, especially for fantasy. And, I mean, I understand that the Jaguars are not going to be a great team – they're going to possibly be behind a lot. And I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a very good quarterback. I don't hate the landing spot for Marvin Jones when it comes to fantasy. But, Dennis, your thoughts on Hyde and Jones? Well, I, I agree with you on Carlos Hyde. I think that he's going to go in there. He's going to be the veteran backup. He's going to be able to uh, – if something happens to Robinson, he can step in, take right over. 
the Marvin Jones signing, you know, Chark has shown to be, he's shown inconsistency. I think they're at a point where what they need to do is they need some volume. They need some guys that have a certain level of establishment in the NFL. Marvin Jones brings that. He's a professional wide receiver. Uh, he can take pressure off DJ Chark. He can uh, allow Lisca Chenault to be moved around and and, and do things. So I, I feel like it does benefit their wide receiver core. And with Trevor Lawrence coming in, you know the, the Jaguars – they're not really building a team in the way that I think you build a team. I think you build it with the offensive line, you know, the defense, then you bring the quarterback in last. But I also understand when you're sitting at the 101 and you have a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, you, you've got to take it. So you take that dude, and now they have to they they have some additional picks. They're gonna have to really start to beef up that offensive line. Urban has been puzzling in the free agents he's been signing. So, uh, you know, I know I'm on record as saying I, I'm I'm not sold on him as an NFL coach, and those free agents are kind of making me go, eh, that's, that's the way it rolls. But, um, no, I like, I like Marvin Jones as a player. He's, you know, a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside and, honestly, wide receiver five floor. Yeah, so I think for me, when I'm looking at those two signings, it's good news for James Robinson, and it's probably good news for for Chark. What it what I think it does is, you know, we can probably retire the the hopes and dreams for Divine Zigbo and Reichwell Armstead. Carlos Hyde, a good veteran backup, can be a good spot starter. I mean, he's only a year removed from a thousand yard season. When he was with Houston, he put up a thousand and seventy yards. The guy can still still run the ball. Um, and Marvin Jones, I think that probably slows the hype train for LaVisca Chanel and more for Colin Johnson. You know, there were some people like, ah, oh, he's, he's an immediate riser, but probably not right now. You know, he's probably a little bit where he was. We saw Keelan Cole, who was there, move on, uh, and, you know, take a similar wide receiver four or five on the depth chart position with the Jets. So, you know, I, Marvin Jones has some upside. The question for me with both of them, I, I was like Dennis when I was writing about Jones. I said wide receiver three with some wide receiver two upside. He obviously was wide receiver 18 this last year, um, you know, became kind of the pr primary target with Galladay gone. Are they done? I, I agree they're going to work on the line. They should work on the defense, uh, which was atrocious when they when they go through the draft. But are they done adding skill position pieces? You know, that remains to be seen. Still some questions about what they're going to do at tight end. Uh, they moved Josh Oliver, um, who was the guy they had. They moved him yeah. to the Ravens. You know, does that mean they're thinking about drafting a tight end? Does that mean there aren't really any big free agents? So you'd have to assume they're going to do something there. I mean, they still yeah. have the most cap space at $42 yeah. million, So they can still make some changes. Yeah, I was I, I was one of those Colin Johnson guys too. So pour one out for Colin Johnson. I was, I was a little bit excited. Well, I'm, I mean, you must feel similar that it does more damage to probably those guys. Some people were like, "Well, Jones, that's going to kill DJ Chark." I don't see the correlation there. 
Uh, I mean, maybe because they use Chark a little bit more as their downfield threat at times last year, but I, I agree. I don't think it hurts Chark. I really don't think it hurts LaVisca either. With Again, we're assuming he's going to run something close to what he did at Ohio State and Florida. I don't know that for a fact, but if they do, it's kind of why everybody talked about Curtis Samuel going there. They have LaVisca Chanel to do that, so I don't think it hurts his value, but I do agree it hurts a guy like Colin Johnson, who did look good toward the end of last year. Uh, Devontae Booker signs a two-year $5.5 million deal with the New York Giants. I was trying to see, did they bring in a wide receiver? They had they did. Not. They brought in John Ross. John Ross? I mean, I've dropped it on there. It was like you one year, $2.5 million. How dare you, Well, sir. much like uh, the rest of the NFL, I forgot about John Ross. You know, the Giants haven't. He's going to be their deep threat. Uh, Booker, hey, Giants I'll- also signed Kyle Rudolph. I at tight that, end, yeah. that is on gonna, yeah. Uh, so Rudolph was a two-year, sixteen million dollar contract. So Booker does nothing for me. I think that's more of just Wayne Gallman was a free agent, so they're bringing in someone who can probably spell Barkley at times. Backup quarterback John Ross. I mean, is interesting if he can stay healthy because as we've seen, when he's healthy, he can't put up numbers. But that's a big if. Kyle Rudolph does absolutely nothing for me. So that, that's kind of my take there on the Giants. Dennis, do you have any more positive thoughts about the Giants free agent moves? You know, I, I think Booker is going to slot in as the number two. He's he's an adequate runner, a decent receiver. Uh, he's, he's certainly not a threat to Barkley. Uh, and then it, it's going to come – are they going to go to more of a two tight end set with Rudolph and Ingram? Put Ingram out. Is he gonna? They gonna flex him more into a wide receiver role? Is was that the thought be behind bringing in uh, Rudolph? You know they they gave him eight million dollars a year. I don't know. It's a, a a situation where the front office there's I I think starting to grasp at what's going on. Uh, Daniel Jones hasn't panned out as quickly as they thought he would, and he's going to need a big bounce back year this year. Uh, uh, Darius Slayton looked like he was going to break out, and he was extremely inconsistent last year. You know, uh, Golden Tate's gone, so they they need to they do need to add some weapons. I, I feel like they're going to be a uh, I don't they're not going to win win the NFC East this year. I don't think. I feel pretty comfortably that it's going to be Washington by a couple games because they'll have they, they've got while well, they're matched by other teams with explosion on offense, uh, namely Dallas. Washington has the best defense in that division by far. When you score fifty five points a game, you don't really need a defense. But uh, in terms of the Giants, I think. I think Booker's a much better handcuff. You know, Saquon Barkley has missed significant time each of the last two seasons. Booker, we saw what he did when he was able to come in for Josh Jacobs. That was the kind of robust uh, performance I think the Giants had hoped they might get from some of the guys filling in for Barkley. So I think that was a little bit of an upgrade, but nothing more than a than a handcuff situation. John Ross, um, my forgetting to put him on the list, probably indicates what I thought about that signing. The only one that I thought potentially downgrades the starter for me is Rudolph because we saw what Rudolph being there and being mixed in did to cap Irv Smith's uh, you know, ceiling with Minnesota. Evan Ingram last year 
managed to stay healthy and was still only tight end 15. I think this, for me, drops him down to a low end tight end too because he's going to end up splitting. And Kyle Rudolph is one of those kind of goal line vultures, and that was a problem for Ingram last year. Only had one touchdown despite being involved in the middle of the field. So that's probably the biggest thing. But I'm with you. The Giants, to me, would be a distant third in that division. They're better than probably Philadelphia, but that could change too, depending on what the Eagles can do the rest of the offseason. These next three running back signings all had me uh, questioning things quite a bit. Not as much the first one, but definitely the next two. Uh, Marlon Mack returns to Indy, one-year, $2 million deal. You know, I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I, I don't know if he really pushes Jonathan Taylor. It might be something where they're bringing him back because of what he's done and allowing him to get healthy. I know, obviously, Achilles injuries take a little bit longer sometimes to recover from. Uh, but uh, obviously, again, we talked about it uh, a couple episodes ago that he looks really good in that first game up until the injury. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a little bit of run. It does give them someone that can be a little bit of a better runner. While Naheem Hines didn't do bad in that last year, Mac a little bit more powerful than Hines. Uh, I mean, any other thoughts on that? You guys, I mean, Dennis, you are the uh, the resident Marlon Mack fan here. So Marlon Mack, I, I think he's going to slot into the role of, and I'm trying to remember who the Carolina back was. He had three names, and he was the backup to, to uh, maybe the, the starter before McCaffrey or maybe McCaffrey's. Before First McCaffrey year. was uh, Jonathan Stewart and D'Angelo Williams. No, the, it was after. It was after that. It was that there was a. a I th- I feel like his initials were CAP, but I don't remember. I can't remember his name. Cameron Artis uh, Payne. Bingo. So Cameron Artis Payne was was the handcuff to uh, McCaffrey, but because he didn't offer anything else. He only was active when McCaffrey wasn't. And McCaffrey, when McCaffrey was out, Artis Payne would come in and be a perfectly serviceable back. I think that Mac is going to slot into that role. I think Naheem Hines is still going to play his pass catching role. Uh, I think Jordan Wilkins probably is more of a special teamer uh, that plays running back. So I think Mac will continue to, to get healthy and, and, get rolling, but I don't think that he sees any significant time uh, unless Jonathan Taylor gets injured. So I, I to me, that one, it, it, it feels almost like it's a, we've got the money, let's do a solid by our guy. Jamal Williams, uh, I don't know that, I think the only edge, in my opinion, he has over Carrion Johnson is he stays healthy. I think from a talent standpoint, Carrion Johnson's a, a little more talented but carry on just can't stay healthy. So that makes sense from that perspective. I don't think he's going to impact uh, DeAndre Swift a, a ton. I think Swift is probably still going to get 250 carries and um, a decent amount of, of passes. Kenyon Drake one was a little bit puzzling, um, but they let Devontae Booker go. They also brought back Theo Riddick today too. So um, – but I like Drake as a second running back. Um, I just don't like having Josh Jacobs, who showed in college he could catch the ball. Um, you know, unless it all goes back to in college, he just didn't carry the ball 
uh, at a high volume and Jacobs just is not a high volume back <clears throat> for whatever reason. But, he, you know, he gets significant carries. Uh, I don't know. That, that puzzles me. Uh, I thought Drake might go somewhere where he might be able to push for a starting role or at least a, a timeshare, significant timeshare. Uh, and, and I don't know that the Raiders are going to provide that. Yeah, so for me, uh, the Colts one, Marlon Mack going back to the Colts, not a huge surprise that when we talked about it last week. I, I still think coming off the Achilles, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up on Pup or at least is not ready to go for a couple weeks into the season. A one-year kind of low-value low deal to go back to the team that drafted him where he's always played makes a lot of sense for a guy who's kind of rehabbing, probably wasn't getting a lot of huge looks because of the injury question. I will say on my drive home yesterday, Frank Reich was the one that was being interviewed on um, NFL radio, uh, and he made me sad um, because his description was using all four of their running backs in dominant roles. He talked about Jordan Wilkins being a short yardage and goal line back. That was depressing. He talked about Naheim Hines getting more snaps, being more involved in the passing game. That was, uh, and he talked about more of a 65-35 split between Taylor and Mac carrying the load. So uh, for the time being, I still would like to believe Jonathan Taylor is a running back one, but his coach really scares scares me with his love. He basically said, we have four guys we love a lot, and we're going to find ways to use all of them every game. And I was like, that is every fantasy player's nightmare. Uh, Jamal Williams, I know there was a lot of frustration there was a lot of panic tweets i saw about people you know good goodbye to deandre swift i I still have swift as an rb1 i i think williams will mix in we saw adrian peterson and carry on johnson used last year i think we'll see carry on johnson used at times i think williams probably is a better pass catcher than carry on johnson probably gets more of that work those were things he did in green bay but i don't think that takes away from jonathan swift being one of the few truly dynamic playmakers that detroit has right now and the probably most worrisome for fantasy would be the Kenyon drake signing drake didn't maybe live up to the expectations we had when he was franchise tagged by Arizona last year, but he had a career year in rushing yards with 955 and in rushing touchdowns with 10. He had a better year than you think uh, when you think back on it. I think this drops Josh Jacobs to a low-end RB2 and probably puts Kenyon Drake in the RB3 range. I think it's a bummer for both of them. If you had Jacobs and you are hoping he could get closer to the RB1, I think this goes the other way. And if you were holding on to Drake, hoping he got a chance to be a feature back, this goes the other way. Not to mention the Raiders are one of the teams this offseason that has imploded their offensive line. I think they said they only have one starter left. They re-signed Richie Incognito, but they've got more questions than answers, which isn't great for your running backs. So question, pop quiz. Pop quiz. If Jonathan Taylor gets 65% of the Colts carries based on what they did last year, how many carries do you think he gets? I was told there would be no math. I don't know, 200? 225. Yeah. 298. Huh. Oh, that, that, wouldn't be that, that would be 65% well, of the carries they had last but year. But Reich also said things like Neheim Hines is a really good runner, and we haven't given him enough opportunities in that. I, I, don't, I, I mean, it's hard to take a coach seriously, but that yeah. it was a, I 
I almost drove off the freeway. Yeah. I also don't think they're going to run it as much with Carson Wentz being there. I, th- I feel like they ran as much as they did because Philip Rivers obviously looked just his arm looked like it was kind of done at times. So I, I don't know if they'll run it that much. But yeah, I, I don't. I'm not as worried about Hines. It'd be more of if Mac actually starts playing. Maybe uh, hopefully he goes on pup and is able to recover. We'll see what happens with them. Jamal Williams, the only reason I hated it is because I actually thought Jamal Williams was a player who could go somewhere and carve out a role. And I just feel like he's redundant in Detroit. They've got three players who do the same thing, all just at different levels. Swift, elite, Jamal Williams, a little above average. on Johnson, whether it's due to injuries or whatever, has been below average at this point. Like He, he was a guy I liked coming out of college, but hasn't really quite lived up to the hype. And then... Kenyon Drake, I mean, I tweeted it out. I feel like that just, you know, I'm going to use it as my confirmation bias. just proves that I was right about Josh Jacobs all along. That's all I care about. And I, I, I do think, you know, I, I think I posted it. Uh, oh, I was talking to somebody on that Twitter thread that I think Drake has high-end RB3 upside, just like Matt said, and possibly even RB2 at times. I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it drops Josh Jacobs down, some of it being the offensive line as well, but you know, I know Dennis was there with me as well when we were doing these episodes on the free agent stuff and, and drafts a couple years ago. Neither one of us were high on Jacobs. He had a really good rookie season, and a lot of that goes back to the uh, volume is king, in my opinion, argument because of how much volume he was getting in the past two years. While he's done good in fantasy because of touchdowns, he's not, in my opinion, looked that great on the field at times. And So Kenyon Drake coming there I think just speaks more to their thoughts on him now. I do think John Gruden and Mike Mayock have been making a lot of very head-scratching decisions. So I'm not saying they're making the right decision by not giving the ball to Josh Jacobs. But clearly, they, in my opinion, don't believe in him as much as, as his fantasy owners do. One that a lot of people I saw were scratching their heads. And I'm honestly not sure how I feel about this. So, Matt, I'll ask you first. Corey Davis, three years, $37.5 million to the New York Jets. Yeah, and you know, obviously, Denzel Mims. There, uh, you know, some hopes that he would take a step up in year two. Jameson Crowder still there. Uh, saw a lot of obvious questions about who do you think the number one is there. I think Davis probably is the number one, and that's probably not the greatest thing for him. We talked about the ideal spot for him would be to be able to go somewhere where he could be a strong number two against a dominant receiver on the other side. That's where he seemed to blossom this year with A.J. Brown on the other side. Uh, in a passing offense, it's sort of a little bit of a curious um, decision. It, you know, Corey Davis probably have him in a wide receiver three range um, for now. It's also possible the Jets go and get other pieces. We've seen them talking about, they signed Keelan Cole, who's on that list, but um, I don't think he really moves the needle. Questions about quarterback, questions about running back, questions about whether Herndon kind of bounces back. Um, It's, we expect the Jets to go get some kind of a marquee receiver. I don't know that I expected it to be Davis. I don't know if it's the ideal fit. I, I like Davis to New York, but I also am am a fan of uh, Sam Darnold. And I think Davis fits in across the field from what Denzel Mims does well. And then you can take uh, 
Jamison Crowder and stick him underneath in the short. And that gives a nice intermediate range for Corey Davis to to operate. But I, I do agree. I think he, he'd be better if if it w- wasn't Mims across, but, you know, a dominant alpha. Somebody, I think if you had Kenny Galladay on the other side or, or you know, even I don't know that A.J. Brown is necessarily that type because he were, he you know, he makes his money on crossing routes. But it, I think he'll be fine. I, I, I feel like he's going to be in that probably 20 to 30 range, low end two to mid three um, uh, this season. But some of it will depend on Darnold taking a step this year. Uh, if they if they keep adding to that offensive line there in New York and Darnold starts to get time to operate, that offense could actually be surprisingly good, especially if Salah puts the magic touch on that defense. And and uh, that now that I say talk through it, that might actually hurt the offense because if they're playing close games, they're not having to wing it around a la Blake Bortles and Allen Robinson. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I, I think we all need to realize. I think we're all ha- we're suffering a little of PTSD from the Adam Gase era there, and we, we need to try and give the Jets some time. You've got Mike LaFleur going in there, who I believe from everything you hear from the 49ers talk and just what, what Matt's been able to do in Green Bay, uh, that in hopes that he'll be a very good offensive coordinator. It's a new era in the New York Jets uh uh, franchise, and I'm with you, Dennis. I'm not. I have not given up on Sam Darnold yet. He's shown flashes. I, I do think that he needs to be given a shot. Let's hope. We, I'm seeing a lot more talk again now that it's going to be Zach Wilson going at two. I'm hoping that they go Sewell like we've all talked about and give him that one more shot. But Corey Davis could be very interesting there. We also saw Keelan Cole sign there for one year, five point five million dollars. Uh, I don't unless they cut Crowder. I, I just see this more as like a depth move. I, I don't think this does anything for them. I, I think their top three would end up being uh, Mims, Davis, and Crowder. Do either one of you guys have any thoughts on on Cole being any kind of real fantasy asset? I think Cole is a downfield guy too. So it, cutting, I, m- my opinion would be that cutting Crowder and moving Cole into the wide receiver three is going to then put Corey Davis as an underneath guy. Because I I think that Mims and Cole are both bigger down. I mean, and Davis is pretty big as well, but they're, they're, they're more, they're better suited uh, to run the nine route and to get downfield and, and, and deeper routes. But I I think hit Conley's uh, or Cole's, ceiling with the Jets is as the Jets wide receiver three. Yeah. Yeah. Cole to me is, is a fourth, fourth receiver depth piece behind those guys. Um, I, it's Davis Mims and Crowder barring injury. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, AJ Green goes to the Arizona Cardinals one year, $6 million deal. Uh, I'm intrigued for sure. Uh, obviously, we've seen Christian Kirk really hasn't quite panned out the way maybe some of us had hoped he would. Still don't know if Larry Fitzgerald is going to come back or not. I, I do think even if he does, it's not going to affect Green as much. I think Green likely slots in as the two opposite of Hopkins. So I, I might try and buy low. I, I don't think A.J. Green now is going to be time to sell him because he's going to Arizona. He's got some of his value back. I don't know if I'd pay much for him. If you're if, like I could get him for a third, I might do it just because I think he does give a consistent option uh, uh, ops, others, 
opposite. My goodness, I cannot talk today. Opposite of Hopkins. But Matt, your thoughts on Green in Arizona? Yeah, I wanted the Cardinals to go get a better receiver uh, opposite DeAndre Hopkins. We'll see how much AJ Green has left. He got, saw 104 targets last year, but was only able to catch 47 of them. I don't know if it just didn't work out or you know issues in that offense. Uh, he's not that far. You know, he's not that many years removed from being a pretty decent number one option here. He won't have to be uh, the number one option. They have a clear number one in Hopkins. I think uh, it's a decent signing. Um, I would have liked to see maybe one of the other um, younger, more premier receivers go there, but could be a good place for Green to reestablish himself. Yeah, Green is going to have to up his efficiency by a very large amount. I think uh, last year Hopkins got 140 targets, but uh, Kirk and Fitzgerald were both in the 70s with the second most targets. So even even if Fitz is gone, um, I think Kirk and uh, A.J. Green are, are divvying up 150 targets at the most. Uh, another intriguing one for me, Emmanuel Sanders goes to Buffalo, one-year, $6 million deal. I think while it doesn't kill Gabriel Davis's value, I do think it kind of pumps the brakes on it a little bit because I do think Sanders goes right into possibly that John Brown role. Not quite the field stretcher that John Brown is, uh, but I do think it then goes into now it being Diggs, Beasley, and Sanders instead of Diggs, Beasley, and Davis. Still, for me, I think it's Diggs and Beezer, the guys that I want to own. But Sanders does give him a nice, very interesting piece of that offense. What do you think, Dennis? I think that they're going to defer to Sanders as the veteran uh, to start the season. And after two or three games, you should be going out and making offers for Gabriel Davis because by week six, um, Sanders is going to be riding the pine. Uh, I don't think he's as he's he doesn't do anything at this point in his career better than Davis. The only thing he has on Davis is that he's been in the league for 10 years or whatever, 12 years, however long it is. Uh, I I don't hate Manny Sanders, but he's not going to be fantasy relevant this year. Biggest question probably for Buffalo still is, does their passing volume stay the same as what it was last year, or are they able to get more of a run-pass balance? We haven't seen them do anything in the running game. Still some names out there. I still expect them to get a another running back, so that's a little bit of an unknown. Probably crushes any thoughts that maybe Dawson Knox would have a chance to get more of a target share if you're going back to having four four pretty decent pass catching receiving options in the mix crushes him down. I don't think it does anything to Diggs, but I'm not as quick to say that it does nothing to Cole Beasley. You know, I want to see what the, you now basically Diggs probably is where he is, had a great chemistry with Josh Allen is at a different level, but then you have kind of a Beasley, a Sanders and a Gabriel Davis, you know, what are they going to do? Emmanuel Sanders can play a lot of different roles on offense. I was somebody that watched him for several years um, performing with Denver. He can be a great playmaker at times. I think all three of those guys are going to have good games and they're going to have their moments. But it's going to come down to pass volume and target share. 
Um, it was a curious signing to me. I would not have pegged wide receiver as a big area of need for uh, the Bills, especially that. I, I mean, I thought that was part of the reason why they released John Brown. Speaking of John Brown, he goes to the Las Vegas Raiders one year, $3.75 million, likely to replace the Nelson Aguilar role that was uh, vacated when he went to the Patriots. I like it. I, I, I mean, I expect Ruggs – well, I shouldn't say Ruggs. I expect Edwards to step up and be a bigger part of that game. Ruggs, I think, is obviously – is what he is. He's still a very wide receiver, but I think more NFL talented than fantasy talented. I, I like John Brown there, though. I think that he could carve out at least a – for me, best ball role, I think uh, that's probably the best place to have him because I think he's going to have those big games like Nelson Aguilar did, and then some days you're probably going to be frustrated if you started him. Yeah, I think he could be a wide receiver three. I think he could be a wide receiver three at the end of the season when you average his production out. Uh, I think he's going to he's gonna give you plenty of wide receiver seven games too. Yeah, yeah. or wide receiver nine. Yeah, uh, Will uh, Will Fuller. This was interesting. One year, haven't seen the the money on this yet, but is going yeah. to the Miami Dolphins. Gives them that uh, you know, uh, speed threat. Obviously, we've talked about missed the first game, and I guess the biggest question we've got to ask. I know Dennis has joked about this before, but stayed fully healthy this year because of likely because of the uh, the things that he got popped for taking. I, I would assume he's not going to take those anymore now that he's gotten popped for it. But uh, your thoughts on him going to Miami? Miami. They've got Preston Williams, Devontae Parker. You know, I'm not sure that it improves to it or really his value going there, but they did need a field stretcher. I mean, begrudgingly, I will say he's probably the best wide receiver in Miami right now. Um, I do think that I, 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 I think he's going to be okay but I don't think his game fits Tua. Tua is an accurate passer with a mediocre arm, um, which is great, but Fuller does his work 30 yards down the field, 40 yards down the field. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation that what uh, this is is paving the way for a Deshaun Watson trade um, to reunite them in Miami. I. I think it does affect Preston Williams. I think Williams coming back from a, a second year ended by injury uh, has a lot of work to do to get back up the depth chart. I think Devontae Parker has established himself uh, in his role. I don't know if he'll consistently be the top dog there, but he's going to do well. So, And they've, they've got some depth pieces. Um, I, I think Fuller becomes their best wide receiver. It'll be interesting to see how Flores schemes it so that uh, they can match Tua's strengths and Fuller's strengths, which don't match on paper. If Deshaun Watson gets traded there, you know, I would bump Fuller's value up. I think the big unknown is Miami has been closely associated with using a high draft pick to take a receiver. You know, people have mocked Jamar Chase going there or somebody like that, which is going to have an impact on this situation. Unlike Dennis, I'm not prepared to say that Fuller is clear-cut the best receiver between him and Parker there, especially if Tua remains the quarterback and they have that similar kind of offense. To me... Barring a Watson trade, considering the 
potential rumored landing places for Fuller, seeing him end up on a one-year deal in Miami dropped him uh, in fantasy value to me into a wide receiver four territory. Uh, Brashad Perriman goes to the Lions. One year, $3 million deal. Uh, I don't actually hate this. I mean, Perriman's had decent years the past couple years, starting from that second half, really, with Baker Mayfield a couple years ago. I think he gives them a deep threat. You know, we'll, we'll see if Jared Goff can get him the ball. But, I mean, it, it, they needed wide receivers. $3 million, one-year deal. I mean, I, I don't hate it for, for him or the Lions. But, Dennis, you are a resident Lions fan. Your thoughts? Well, I I released an article a w- couple weeks ago. I would have much preferred for Brashad Perriman to go to Arizona instead of A.J. Green. I feel like his speed is what they need there. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a great guy for m- catching whatever's thrown at him, but he's a four, five, nine guy. He's, he's not fast. Perriman is fast. In Detroit, you know, Goff has an adequate arm as long as, he, you know, the pocket's clean and, and he's got the time. They need veteran receivers. They need Quintez Cephas uh, is going to need to step up. They they need bodies right now, and they don't have the draft picks to go out and have a class like, what was it? Was it the 16 class in Cleveland where they drafted four wide receivers? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Only one of them still in the league, but yep, the sure uh, yeah, they uh, I, I like Perriman there. I don't know his fantasy relevance will end up being uh, hit and miss. Uh, I feel like he's going to be one of those guys that y- you hope that you get lucky when you slide him into your flex spot on a bye week for your starter. Uh, you hope that's the week that he catches three passes for 90 yards and a touchdown. So if you're in Dynasty, the three potential receivers right now for Detroit are Quintez Cephas, Tyrell Williams, and Brashad Perriman. Which, if any of the three, are you? For me, the only one I would be looking to actively roster is Cephas. TJ Hawkins. No, we're not talking. I mean, TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, you're you're rostering regardless. I'm talking purely receivers. Plus, can we pour one out for Lions fans who went from Stafford, Galladay, and Jones to Goff, Tyrell Williams, and Brashad Perriman in, what, like three months? Yeah. Hey, but you know what? When that turns into, like, Justin Fields, Rashad Bateman, and... I don't know. They'll get somebody next year in next year's draft to replace another wide receiver. Trump might be actually pretty happy. You know, you know it, it, a lot of it too is, is what's the cost? I want Cephas because he's young. Late. He, he, I, Cephas is the new Cephas is going to be Cooper cup. That's his role. So right now, Perriman is going to be uh, Josh Reynolds on the outside, taking it deep. Can somebody step into the Robert Woods role? You know, well, Williams might actually be the, the deep threat. So it seems like Williams and Perriman are kind of redundant now that I've talked through that. Uh, you know who might – the other guy might end up being uh, Hunter Bryant, name to keep an eye on. Pass-catching tight end out of Washington. Um not a big guy. He's only like 6'2 and 235 or something coming into the league. Uh, 
thought he was going to get drafted, but he ended up not getting drafted last year and ended up with the Lions as a free agent. So that may be uh, – he had some injury issues last year that he had to work through. And, uh, you know, he may come in and pair up with Hawkinson and Cephas and fill that uh, Hunter Henry um, or Tyler Higby, uh, Robert Woods. Who's the other guy? Gerald Everett. Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Uh, no. Cooper Cup rolls. That's what I'm oh. – we All need right, to well, get a sponsor speaking... about those uh, old people taking medicine for their memory. <laughs> uh, speaking of former Rams, Gerald Everett signs a one-year $6 million deal with the Seahawks. I like this. Uh, talked about it a little bit. I think the Seattle needed to go get a a really a tight end who has a lot of upside. Disley was good, serious injuries. Uh, who was the other guy that I'm not thinking of now? Josh Hollister. Olsen was there. Was it, was it Olsen? Jacob Hollister. Jacob Hollister. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think Everett goes in there and is clearly the best out of all of them. Gives Give Russell Wilson a guy that he can, you know, if he decides he doesn't want to sit back in the pocket for 10 seconds and throw a moonshot every single play, a guy that he could possibly dump uh, dump down off to. So I, I like the signing for the Seahawks. Matt, what was your thoughts when uh, you saw the signing with Everett? Yeah, it's not too bad. We'll get to see what he can do maybe with more opportunity. Splitting with uh, Higby seemed to limit the ceiling for both of them. Um, but currently I'd probably have him in the tight end three range. I mean, I wanted Everett to be a thing. You know, Coming out, he was the second most athletic tight end in that class behind Ingram. But I think going to Seattle, he's just a, a slow DK Metcalf. Rob Gronkowski returns to Tampa Bay one year, eight million. I mean, I just I think value is still the same for me. It doesn't change. Doesn't go lower. You know, I think I think Matt, me, and you talked about. It. I think he's going to keep signing one year deals until Brady retires, and he's going to retire too. So yeah, so he's probably got six more years with Tampa Bay then. Very true. Unfortunately, tight end two, six more years. Lock it down. I mean, Gron- Gronk is either going to be in Tampa with Brady or on the beach somewhere with Brady. I mean, yeah, that's that's really what he's doing. He's like this. He, he lucked into it. He's like the side, the goofy sidekick in every movie that always yeah. lucks into so, stuff. I mean, that's what Gronk the, is. He's the Raj to uh, Tom Brady's Howard Wolowitz. They've, they've got an amazing bromance. I love it. It's fun. I love the gifts that people post of those two, like all these different things of those two just laughing. Like it's just it's, it's 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 amazing. I wish someone looked at me the way Gronk looks at Brady. It's beautiful, beautiful. Last one for today. Jared Cook signs with the Los Angeles Chargers, one year, six million dollars. I'm just kind of eh on it. I mean, I, I don't think Jared Cook's done, but I don't think we're going to see the same offense we've seen the past couple years with the Chargers. We've got a quarterback like Herbert who is not afraid to push the ball down the field. So I think obviously they, as uh, was it, they brought Mike Williams back because they brought, they they picked up his fifth year option, right? Dennis yeah. McHugh, the one who told us that. Yeah. Yep. So they got his fifth year option. You still got Ke- Keenan Allen there. Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not sold that Cook's going to be anything more than like maybe a middle tier tight end too. But Dennis, what, what do you think about Cook going to the Chargers? To quote my good friend Ron Burgundy, we are laughing. I mean, it's insignificant. It means nothing. Donald Parham is going to usurp him. He's going to he'll play some, but he's not a he's not a fantasy relevant player 
for a couple years now. You know, he may have a game where he catches a couple touchdowns, but that's really what you're hoping for with him now. And Herbert, he's he's locked in. Him and Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton, uh, Tyron Johnson. You know that that's the return of Air Coriel out there now. I mean, it's they're slinging it. Yeah, that's for me. I still think Donald Parham ends up being the guy. Um, we saw Cook last year sort of struggling and, and fading down it seemed like Troutman and Taysom Hill and Joshua were getting more tight end work than him, uh, you know, in New Orleans. And I think Donald Parham, I, I still like him. I still like his potential. He's, he's my pick there. All right. So the last, uh, players that are currently left unsigned and I'll, I'll let each of you talk about one of them before we get out of here. Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Leonard Fournette, Chris Carson, James Conner, and Philip Lindsay. The only two I haven't seen anything really talked about are Conner and uh, Carson. I've not seen really any teams talk about possibly bringing them. Matt mentioned Kansas City looking at Philip Lindsay earlier. Leonard Fournette is getting a lot of talk about Tampa Bay and Seattle. Juju getting a lot of talk about the Jets today. And then Kenny Galladay seems to be a lot of talk about the Giants and the Bears. Matt, I'll let you go first. Who do you think signs first, and where do you think the best spot would be for them to go? I don't know if signs first, but um, now that my my crush, Philip Lindsay, has been set free, I kind of hope he signs with the Bills. Um, I think he could be a good fit. He's a good running back there. Um, would give them a little bit something different. Uh, the receiver is going to be interesting. My my hopes and dreams for Juju Smith-Schuster, the, the two places I was most excited to see him potentially go, Washington and Arizona, seem off the board. I don't really get the Jets thing, but it does certainly seem like it's leaning that way. I mean, if Juju goes to the Jets, he's, he's all but ensuring that um, Jamison Crowder is getting the ax. I don't know. I, for me, I, I like the I like the idea of Galladay in New York with Daniel Jones. Jones has a decent arm, and Galladay could be what they what we all hope Darius Slayton would be. So while the the team isn't, I mean, you could do you could have worse teammates than Saquon Barkley. I mean, let's let's be real here. I mean, a threesome at wide receiver of Galladay, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton. It, that's not enough. That's not something to sneeze at, uh, especially when you got Barkley. That takes some pressure off Daniel Jones. Comes down to their offensive line, and they could be a defense that gives up a bunch of points, meaning that New York has to throw the ball. So that could be good. I is is it as much as I love Rashad Penny, I feel like Fournette's going to go to Seattle. I just feel like he's going to go there and he's going to end up being the, he's going to be the 50 guy. He's going to get 50% of the touches. Then the other four running backs are going to split the other 50% in varying degrees. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Carson is Carson to me. I, I don't know why Pittsburgh hasn't just said, Come on down. Carson is the perfect fit for Pittsburgh, I think. It's because they have no money. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'd love to see Galladay in New York as well. I mean, Dennis talked about having Slayton and Shepard, and then you had Ingram there too, and and Barkley. I think that that really gives Daniel Jones a chance to to flourish. We've seen, you know, much like we talked about with Sam Darnold earlier, the other quarterback in New York. We've seen spurts, but we haven't seen enough of it. I think that really would help him. Uh, hopefully kind of had that breakout year. At least I was hoping he would have this season. So that'll do it for us today. Obviously, we will continue to watch this. If any of those guys sign over the weekend, we will talk about that. Matt and me will be back on Monday. We talked about it a little bit this last week, last past episode on Monday. Going to We got Winter Soldier and the Falcon coming out tomorrow, right? Yep. Or- Justice, League is, Justice League is dropped today, so... My plan is to try and get through that so that we can talk a little bit about that. Monday we'll recap free agency, and then we're going to go full into starting to do team re- – well, probably wait rookies. Is over. rookies. We'll do – I just have one question. Day. What yes. position do those guys play? Who? Winter Soldier, Justice League. What oh, position do, do they anything. play? I haven't heard they of them. Do anything. Are they They're incoming so rookies? They are. They're amazing. Are they incoming rookies? They are. They're, are they I mean, if you, thought you Jamar Chase, if you thought Jamar Chase was good, just you watch Winter Soldier go up and catch a ball. It's ridiculous. So we will talk about those guys on Monday. Uh, if you guys are into March Madness, enjoy it. The tournament kicks off tomorrow. It should be a fun weekend for college basketball. And until Monday, we will talk to you guys again soon. Have a good weekend. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop on there. Who can make a play?